This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. I'm your host tonight, Josh, uh, and with us today we have Nick. Hello. Sam. Hello. And Adam. Hello. Uh, so you join us with Plymouth Argyle Still top of League Two after a hard-fought one-nil win uh, over Colchester United. Um, uh, go for some thoughts on the game, shall we, Sam? What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, I think it was obviously great to be top after two wins from two games. Um, not the best performance, not quite as good as I think Crew was overall, but it was it was a good enough performance. We, we did enough to get the win on the day. We had the goal and we had a, we had a fair few other chances. So I think it was just about enough to get the win on the day. Um, yeah, a lot of good, lot of good performances in certain players. No, really, really outstanding ones. Perhaps like those at Crew, but Palmer had a very good game in goal. Did all he had to do well. Tested well. Um, distribution was absolutely superb. Wooten had a fantastic game from the back, uh, and the, the strikers, you know, ran all game. They they gave the defense a bit of uh, bit of work to do. The midfield maybe the weakest area, but it was the midfield that popped up with a winning goal. So credit for that and. Uh, yeah, let's just let's just keep on doing what we're doing. There is room for improvement. Um, Mayor and Sartovich could be controlling games a bit more than they are, but hey, I think, you know, room for improvement. Let's go. I think that what struck me particularly was we didn't look especially good, um, and at the same time we still look quite comfortable. Like I don't, I don't think we were. Colchester didn't really pose lots of problems. They were sort of quite tidy and they tried to play sort of decent football, but they, they didn't really threaten us Palmer there weren't any saves really that Palmer made that you thought oh wow he's kept us in the game there um, I think on the, that the only real chance they had sorry the only real chance they had was the um, the one that uh, they missed right in front of goal stretching couldn't quite reach it wasn't it is that the one that Wooten cleared no 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 so there's one that Wooten did really well to clear under is just Stuck a little left out, wasn't it? And uh, flick it mm, away yeah, from the header. It was a brilliant clearance. No, it was a. Um, oh, a ball you mean in, that? You mean the one that the ball in from the left? Lapsley's yeah. one, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. The only reason I hadn't said the name was because I couldn't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> I was going to say Sam had, Sam had gone to get his fifteenth bottle of Coke of the day, I think. <laughs> I'd li- I'd literally just I'd literally just stuck my head out at the time it, when it when it happened, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the um the only one really they created. You're right. It was very comfortable. Mm, yeah, and like and I said, that's a good side. That's a good sign. I mean, 
the fact that we're not putting in those perfect performances yet, and yet we're still winning games, we're still top of the league. I mean, it's it's got to bode well, and when it clicks, I mean, we're going to be very dangerous to any team at this level. You would have thought. I said it well in the Ryan Lowe podcast that we'd go up with what maximum points, and so far I'm being proven completely right. <laughs> Zero goals conceded as well. Zero, exactly. That that was what we got told to expect. Conceding lots of goals. That hasn't happened. Sam and I were discussing a bit earlier. Um, well, we had a reasonably lengthy debate on on Facebook about shock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, well, about a number of things. But one of the uh, ideas that came out of that was a suggestion that maybe Lowe has changed his approach a bit. He's evolved a bit. The the comparison Sam made. Um, and one I'd seen actually someone else had uh, referenced before Lowe even joined um, about his Barry side was uh, Liverpool 2017-18 versus Liverpool 2018-19 in that first year was really attacking, super attacking, but they conceded lots of goals. Second season they played a bit more conservative, scored fewer but conceded much fewer and therefore picked up more points. And looking at Joe Riley and Anthony Sartovich, both lesser attacking threats than Nicky uh, Nicky Adams and Jay O'Shea were for that Berry side, and then we've got two hard-working wingers rather than two out-and-out strikers up front. Could could it be that he is attempting to evolve his strategy? Still, still play a relatively attacking front foot game, but one that's more controlled and offers fewer chances to the opposition. And so we score fewer, but we concede much fewer, and that yields far more points. Mm. Yeah, I think. It wouldn't surprise me, certainly. I mean, it, it, what, last season was his first full year in management um, and he'll have learned a lot from that. Um, as well as that is, it, part of it is he's, he's dealing with the personnel who are already here as well. So maybe he... You know, I think you are... My instinct says that you're probably right and that, that we said he prefers or that, that the system that he played last season does work better with wingers at fullback. Obviously, Joe Riley isn't a winger playing as a full... Uh, sorry, Wingers at wing back. Joe Riley is a fullback as a wing back, um, but sort of can go forward relatively well. Um, I don't know whether that is by choice or because Joe Riley is there, and you know we don't have an unlimited budget to go and sign whoever we want, um, and whether that plays a part or not. Yeah, the the. Berry had he inherited a really top-heavy squad at Berry, didn't he? That's the thing. You want obviously you, the question that was kind of going around when he started was: Is it the way he wants to play, or is it just the way he felt it best to play with such a you know talented top-heavy squad? And I think the answer is maybe a bit of both. I think the in his essence, no matter who he manages, he you know the way he talks about it, the way he raves about his philosophy, he will always want to play a fairly attacking and passing-based style, no matter who and where he manages. But the fact that it was so attacking and so uh, full of players who are traditional wingers or strikers. That was maybe to do with the unbalanced nature of the squad he inherited, whereas inheriting a bit more of a clean slate like he did at Argyle, he was, he was maybe going to be more inclined to play mm. still quite an attacking style, but not so attacking, maybe. Yeah, because for example, if he had Jay O'Shea and Nicky Adams here, I guess the question is, he'd still, he'd play would them he over still Riley be playing and Sarsovich, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, you would think, probably. Um Part Another of it comment. might just be in the way that he, he has set up. So it might not necessarily be a personnel thing, but he might just naturally be a touch more cautious. Obviously, there, weren't, there wasn't any caution there at all last season, really. Another comment I saw someone make in response to um, Adam's article about Sarsovich today 
was that Sartre was just um, keeping the seat warm for Jose Baxter, who is very much a Joe O'Shea. Well, if if he gets back to what he used to be, he's even better than Joe O'Shea, but he's a similar in player profile and skills profile to Joe O'Shea. So we may yet see that. Another another thought we had was um was that Lowe was just being a bit more cautious to start the season. Of course, last season won one of his first five, conceded lots of goals, had a slow start. This season, maybe he thought, especially with the injuries to Telford in particular, um, to Ameson, to you know, Bax not being fully fit, perhaps he opted for a more conservative approach, knowing that he can evolve it, and obviously, you know, how he starts the season doesn't have to be how he ends it, and that he could evolve the team over a matter of weeks, and, you know, build up that attacking uh, potential. I think that all kind of links back to what we're saying in the sense that this is not the finished article for Plymouth Argyle this season yet. That performance we saw on Saturday, it wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't the best sort of performance we can expect. I think Sam mentioned it wasn't quite to the level of crew. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The fact that there's room for improvement there, you'd expect Lowe to have noticed that, and you'd expect that he'll be building his style as these games go down and perfecting it and getting us into situations where we can blow teams away when we get the opportunity. And yet, with all that said, we're still winning games. We're still top of the league after a couple of games. We're still yet to concede a goal. So with all of that in mind, with all of the things that we've considered so far, it's hard not to feel positive about where we are at the moment. And whether that can translate across the season, I mean, I'm confident that it can. Of course, we'll wait and see and we'll have the thrills and spills as the season goes on. But, you know, it's... It's a good time to support Plymouth Argyle at the moment, and I didn't expect to be saying that a few months ago when we were staring relegation in the face. Yeah, it's certainly there's certainly a feel good factor around the club still, which is obviously helped by winning the opening two games. Um, I don't think either of the two teams that that we've played were bad sides as such. I didn't I didn't see Crew, so I can't comment. But I know lots of people have sort of put them to do quite well, and and Colchester played some half decent football. Um, so they're both good results, um, and, and individuals playing well. Edwards looks like a brilliant signing. Um, that role that he plays he does very very well. Um, but also existing players um, in pre-season. I'm not sure many of us were convinced by Wooten, Canavan, and Sawyer as a bat three. Um, and two games later, they've not conceded and um, really have have been fine as a collective. Um, and you'd expect them to get better as well as they get go on, not not worse, um, which is another positive sign, really. Yeah, um, one of the other things me and Nick did have that conversation with that we um, disagreed a little bit on is where is how um, kind of sustainable the level of performance is if we play this way. Nick was more of the view of yes, where you know we've won the two games, which is good, but results are very much better than the performance. The performances haven't been that good. Not too much. Little... Don't, don't don't oversell my position. It's still, it's still a positive lines. one. I just want to make sure, yeah, go on. Okay. Well, yeah, well, my, my point was more in the way of, you, you know, you're probably right to an extent. If you look at the the old, you know, expected goals, I think probably 1-0 and 3-0 wouldn't have been reflections of the, you know, the, a 4-0 aggregate score wouldn't have been reflected by the, expect, the expected goals. I agree with that. However, if we can keep having, um, you know, 
keeper, keepers and defenders, you make last ditch clearances. And if we can keep having attacking players who can finish better than the opposition, it doesn't really matter if we're out creating them loads if we keep outscoring the chances we do have. Um, if you look at all those chances, that one at the start of the second half for Colchester was probably the only one. I think maybe Crew had one as well at the start of the second half in that Crew game. Crew had a couple. Whereby, they had the, whereby, the double well, chance uh, and the deflected shot. Yeah, sorry, what, what I was going to say was it was one of the only one where it was a bad miss rather than a good save or a good stop. Crew had quite a few that were good saves by our keeper. And obviously that Colchester one, we had the great block by Watton. But the only one where it was literally a bad finish rather than one of our players doing the doing the work was that one at the start of the second half at Colchester. And I think Crew might have had one as well. It was just a bad so finish. Did Paul Watton make a triumphant return to the Nassau <laughs> Garland? <laughs> did that. I say Watton? I thought we were going to let it go. I'm uh, sorry, did I say, did I say Watton? I, I, yeah. meant, I meant Watton. I meant Watton. Uh, I do apologise. I'd also put Charlie Kirk's finish, that rebound effort that Palmer saved in the sort of dodgy finish category. I think I think if I think if that was an Argyle player, the discussion would be how didn't he score rather than how did Palmer save it? Because as well it was a good save, it's still quite tame and quite low. From there you need to hit it with a bit more pace and into the air, so it still wasn't a good finish. The the point I made to Sam was that um was that for me and any, anyone who read the site last season would know that we spent a long time writing about this, was that you've got to judge a team by performances rather than results. And the reason behind that is that results generally mirror performances. Sometimes they exceed them, sometimes they uh, you know, don't match them. But generally, the better you perform, the more points you pick up, the better your results. And by performance, we're talking about a game in which you create more and better chances than your opposition so if if you're say winning a handful of games when you haven't really outcreated them or worse if they've thoroughly outcreated you then that generally is unsustainable it's like it's it's like your run of um good goal scoring form that happens for any team really so the best example would be january last season for argyle in which four wins in five you know but in that time lamira scored a bunch of half chances that he was never going to continue to score and opposition teams just stop scoring some quite simple chances, and within a month or two, well, within a mu- well after Peterborough, basically that stopped playing out, and as a result, we scored far fewer. And we- by the end of the season, we we're conceding that many more because teams just weren't missing their easy chances anymore. And the point being that, as Sam said, performances haven't, as of yet, matched the results we've achieved. You'd probably say that two-one against Crew would be fair, though. Let's face it, two-two really wasn't out of the question as an end result. And a draw would probably have been the fairest against Colchester. Neither side really created much. I don't think anyone can come out of that saying that Argyle, you know, really created. We got the winner, yes, but play that over a season. We're not going to win it every time. So the point I made was that I think performances need to step up, or results will tail off, and those draws could prove to be a problem to you know, if we're looking for promotion or the league title or whatever come the end of the season. It is only two games though, and that that. Is worth remembering, yeah. really, and yeah. it's we're talking about a a tactical system that is far more complex and developed than lots of teams at this level, if not probably every team in the league, um, being asked to play a system like this. It's not familiar to the players, um, bar half the Berry side that we signed. Um, it's yeah. the existing players and the new ones we brought in uh, is not familiar to. Um, and you don't see these sorts of, I know what, how long's Lowe been here for now? A um, couple months. Um, you don't implement a full tactical system in two months. Um, 
with lots of new players coming in, existing players who've played in a system which was what pragmatic football um, certainly wasn't encouraged to dominate the ball in the way that um, we tried to against Colchester. Um, so I think it, it will take time and it's not like I don't worry about it in the same way as if this was happening like it was last season with Lemiras in that it came sort of in the middle of the season but because it's happened at the start and the performances aren't there but the results have have been there well the, the two wins so far I'm actually not worried about that yet I think in a couple of months time if the performances still aren't looking especially good then maybe there's more cause for concern. But at the moment, with, with good players still to come into the side as well, Ameson's not played yet. Telford's barely featured. We've used Taylor intermittently. Um, Baxter's got to get to fitness. Um, so there's, there's plenty of players still yet to come into this side who have the capability to improve it as well. Yeah, I just want to confirm as well. I'm not even being that negative, really. This is more just you know a discussion between myself and Sam. I'm still quite happy with the performance levels. Mm. I'm just thinking about how we take it to the next step. And in particular, my focus was more on chance creation. So when you look at the, the goals we've scored, two from outside the box, a virtual overhead kick from McFadden, and then a very tidy finish from a tight angle. None have been... <laughs> have we really created a big chance? And by big chance, I'm sort of talking about one... Wit- well, the definition of a big chance is generally taken to be one that you expect to score more than 50% of the time so that's generally a close range shot a one on one have we really created one yet but again it's early days mm. we must have because Byron Moore had a couple in the last well against Colchester didn't he he had well, a one on one that was saved and then one that he sort of tried to get across to Grant that, that he didn't that was well, I wouldn't say either of those were neither were one on ones so a defender's back for both Um, I, I wouldn't say either I'd be looking at saying you score that once every two times. That's that's a one in four, one in five sort of conversion. Mm, I don't you know. Out of, the, out of the three he had, he should have scored at least one of them, right? On balance of probability, I don't even think should have because I don't think any of them are you know goals you score once every three times. Again, these are like one every four, five, six sort of thing. So when you add that up, I, the first one, the, f- the first one, he should have done better with. Could have done better, the... yeah, but what? Especially. Well, let's not get stuck too bogged down in this, but I mean, f- looking at the chance itself, think about how many times you see a chance like that played out through a season and how many times it gets scored. There's a reason why you get hundreds of shots, you know, why players end up finishing the season and having scored, what, 10 to 15% of their shots is that while they look better than they are, the reality of it is that when you put a keeper back, a defender back, and you're sort of on the move and you haven't had time to. You know the ball's moving; it's not stationary. All those things add up to make that chance harder to score. But yeah, it's not really something to properly dwell on. We are, like, say, only two games in. Just the question is that I've been asking myself is more about, you know, how we can be more creative, really. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, do you think Sarsovic is an issue with that then? With creativity, we know that that passing is not one of his stronger suits. Really. So well, is chance creation an issue? Yeah, Go on, Adam. I mean, it's a complex one at the moment because in the last couple of games, we've seen more or less what we'd expect. We've seen his strengths on show. We've seen how he's able to run onto the ball as he did for this finish at the weekend. We've seen how he's able to press from the front. And, you know, that really helps in a counter-pressing sort of system where if you lose the ball, you'd like to win the ball back quickly. <laughs> he's the sort of player that's very good at that. The problem... I see at the moment is the fact that he's being played in that attacking midfield role, where, as we've said, last season at Berry, you'd have Jay O'Shea and Danny Mayer there. We've got Baxter and Conor Grant that can play there. 
it's the sort of position where you want a creator. And as we know from watching Sarsovic for the last two and a half years, that's not what he is. Does that mean he shouldn't play? Not necessarily. I mean, he's got a chance to make the position his own. He may... Oh, well, I wouldn't expect he'd line up in the cup game, actually, but he's more than likely to have games coming up to improve on what we've seen so far. But I'd suggest really, and I know Nick feels pretty strongly about it, that there's more positions in this team for him to feature. I think the wing-backs are an encouraging position that you know, he can make his own. And I, I think the problem he faces, and I touched it in the article, is the fact that he is a central midfielder by trade, but none of our central midfield positions in this very specific system, as we've mentioned, is perhaps one of the most tactically astute, one of the trickier systems to pick up in the entire division. None of those central midfield positions suit him to the way he would like. And to fix that, you either get him in in the wing-back positions or expect him to improve considerably on his creativity. Can I he think, do that? Go on, go on. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, I think that the the one that probably sticks in my mind most in relation to this sort of thing um, is last season when we, we persisted with Ladapo for an entire season over Taylor. Um, Ladapo in himself... Uh, had a good season. He got a move away to Rotherham. He scored 18 goals. Um, and we know 19. himself... Was it 19, was it? Was it 18 league cup. goals? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, him sort of selfishly, uh, not because I think he's... A, well, I do think he's a selfish footballer in the way that he plays. Um, but re- regardless, um, because of how he played individually, actually he could say, come away and say he had a better season or a, or a good season or a better season than most of the players in that team. Um, actually, as a collective in the system that we wanted and the other players that we had around him, um, actually, it was of severe detriment to the rest of the team. Um, and I, I think I, I like Sarsvic. I think he had a, a good game yesterday. But I, I do wonder if that might end up being the issue. And it's not a case that he is not a good player because we know that Ladapo is a good player. That's why he's, he's playing for a team who are going to be at the top end of League One next season. He's a good player. But actually, would the system be well, would the system benefit more from a player who suits that role? So Conor Grant, who we've seen play well in that role um, in pre-season, might be less good individually than Sarsovic, but in that role and in the system that we want to play, actually improves the team more as a whole. Two, two points on Sarsovic. One is, as Adam, as Adam says, the thing I'm very passionate about is Sarsovic at right wing-back. I think, I think Sarsovic is a perfect fit for right wing-back when, when you look at his traits, his skills... He suits that role so well. He works well benefiting from other people's creativity, a bit like he benefited from Karen Lemiris's creativity. You know, they would make the break. He'd be the person moving on to the break. And that's what that wing-back can do. They can benefit from that skill in midfield, you know, making good, incisive runs, you know, coming in on the uh, back post when the ball's uh, being built up on the left. Those are things that he can do really well. And in particular, in particular, if you look at his time at Fleetwood, he did that. That's what he did. All of his crosses, all of his crosses, all of his assists, or next, all but one of his assists came from him starting out wide, bursting into the box and cutting it back. He he can do that. I even remember when we beat Bradford one 0 and he came off the bench. I think Sam probably will. This will stick out in his head, maybe. But Sarsvich came on mm. as right winger basically and did that exact role very well. Sarsvich can do that is one, so wing-back for Sarsovic, said it a lot, I still think is his best spot in this team, assuming that Lowe's trying to recreate his Bury team of last season. But number two is that, as we've seen, we've played two of the more progressive sides in this division, 
and you know he's been part of the midfield that's largely been able to um to stunt them and hold them off and you know tame them basically yeah and as as i said last week the skill of midfields in this division isn't fantastic they can either pass or they can run they generally can't do both there are some who can but not all of them can which means that Sarsvich can either outrun them or he can you know press them and make them go backwards and so from a defensive standpoint we we can probably get away with it and while we can think about how we could improve the team and i i, I don't think if I'm honest, at this point in time, we will be promoted automatically. If we have Sarsovic in centre mid, that's my honest feeling. I don't think I think that over the course of the season, we'll drop points because of the lack of midfield control and fewer chances as a result. But I can see how it could work. And again, it's two games in. I could be wrong. And then that also doesn't account for improvement. He might improve. His passing might pick up. I think on this one, you've kind of contradicted yourself a little bit because I see you're saying about um, maybe not going up automatically with Sarsovic but you said yourself about midfielders in this division effectively um, most of them aren't, aren't up to much they're not very good it's not a league high in quality um, and actually um, while I think we could get found out with him in that role uh, at a higher level actually in League 2 I don't think he really needs to be outstanding in that role for us to still win and dominate football matches yeah I suppose again I'm I'm less certain that he's going to be that him in centre midfield will be a problem as I was in pre-season I mean that Torquay game was shockingly bad Um, but again that's pre-season anyhow I I don't know I just while I think we can get away with it I wonder how much we can get away with it is what I'm saying so maybe we finish close fourth or close fifth sort of thing but don't quite make it as a result. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. There will be some good teams, obviously. Um, but I, I think, know. I don't, he's not, I don't know, because he is individually a good player, I think we can probably just about get away with it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think before the crew game and I was in the pub and I, I saw Sartovic have been picked in there over Grant or Baxter, I did kind of um, think, oh no, a little bit, because I, I, you know, I had spotted the same things Nick had during pre-season. But you know what? He has a lot of other strengths. His defensive work is fantastic. His stamina is fantastic. And what you also have to consider is that, yes, you know, we'll keep the ball better maybe with other players, not denying that. But there will always be, no matter how good a you know, possession-based midfield we have, occasions where we don't have the ball. And on occasions where we don't have the ball, one of the things that Lowe installs, and, you know, we said, he said he's trying to replicate Klopp style, Guardiola style, one of the things he installs whenever we don't have the ball is that is that high pressing and that high energy pressing and, and the high line up the pitch as well. So yes, we would probably keep the ball slightly better with some of the players, but on the occasions where we don't have the ball, whether that's, you know, 30% of the game or 35 or 40% of the game, no matter how many times it is, on those occasions we do need the players to show incredible stamina and pressing. And will anyone else do that quite as well as Sarsovic? Maybe not. So I think there's very much strengths and weaknesses to both. Whereas before the two games ago, I was very much, Conor Grant is the first choice midfielder, Sarsovic, I'd like to move to wing-back. Now my stance is more, yeah, I could very much see him as a wing-back if, if he ever had to be. I certainly would have him there over more, if um, over Tafari more, that is, if Riley were to be injured, without a doubt. But... I can also now very much see him as a central midfielder to a much greater extent than I could. And who knows, if he, if he improves his finishing a bit, then I'd definitely keep him in the team. It's a nice problem to have, I'd say. Mm. I mean, 
as you've said, Sam, it was a case a couple of weeks ago where it seemed like there was one obvious candidate and suddenly we're looking at a case where there's a few players there who you think could do a job. Personally, I still lie in favour of Conor Graham as that player, but I guess you could find yourself in a situation where Sarsvich does start against a team who we find perhaps are looking to stay behind the ballpark, the bus, and we've got the creative talents of Grant, of Baxter, to bring on and try and break that down. So it's nice, I think, to be in a situation where we've got options. It's much better to have the headache of which of these decent options shall we choose than have the headache of, okay, we've Mm. got a few poor options, can we try and negate their weaknesses a little bit like we saw last Mm. season? You say that, but Freddie Ladapo was a nice option to have, and in the end he was a factor being relegated. that's true, that's true. Sometimes it's nice to have one obvious option that the manager can't look past and has to play. <laughs> I think the interesting, like what about what Adam said though, is the, the tactical point, and we we know from last season that um, Maynard up front played what pretty much every game, and then the other the other strikers yeah. alongside him were rotated. Um, whether you might see an aspect of that, um, because actually teams will try and play against us in different ways. Some will try and match us. Some will try and dominate the ball. Some will try and sit back, hits on the counter attack. Um, if we get really good, some teams might try and really go all out defensive. You know, in games where we're not going to have the ball as much, and we know we're not, um, actually Sarsovic is more useful. If we're coming up against teams who are likely to defend deeper, um, not likely to to sort of counter press as much, but likely to sit, actually look at it and think, well, someone like Conor Grant's going to be much more useful because we're assuming really that Danny Mayer, every time he's available, is going to start. Um, and at the moment, that that position is one of the ones in the team that is set and um, isn't really going to change. So, from that tactical point, I think that's is an interesting one. Is actually whether he might rotate the attacking midfielders like he he did the strikers because I know it was O'Shea and Mare pretty much solidly throughout last season. Yeah. Um, whether whether that might change because now we do have a couple of different options and styles in that and for that role. Tell you what, on that topic. Um, unless someone else has got something to add, I was going to say, looking ahead to Leighton Orient tomorrow, what changes would you make? You know, who 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 would, who would you be testing out and where? Well, Cooper, Baxter, Conor Grant, keep the red, and Telford if Joel's injured. I'd start oh, Taylor and, uh, as well. Josh Grant, Josh Grant. No, I wouldn't start Taylor. I'll be starting Telford. I'll be this cup game. I'll be looking to get Telford some minutes. There's, there's, I yeah, mean, I it's a good opportunity to rotate a bit and give some others a chance uh, to stake a claim rather than keeping what you've got. If it doesn't work, bring him back in for Newport. I think I would play. Yeah, I, w- I would bring, uh, definitely bring in Cooper, Conor Grant. Um, I would play Baxter. both. I would play Taylor and Telford up front. Baxter, I think, could use the minutes. Um, I think Josh Grant possibly as well um, to see what he's about. Um, I'm not sure who passed there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised considering he's taken. Edwards off in the last two games, whether and if he decides to play Baxter further forward, if if Randall might get a start, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't I change the full squad. Sorry, I've just jumped on you there. You carry yeah, on. Yeah, no, it's fine. Go for it. No, okay. no, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I was going to bring up. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing Randall start. I think what I'd like to see is Baxter get some minutes in that attacking midfield position, try to showcase the skills that we know he has, and bring Randall in in that deeper role in a sense it's mainly in the sense that I really don't want Joe Edwards to be picking up any knocks before the league games and you know he's someone that we kind of need to protect at all costs at this moment in time and if we can get players like Baxter like Randall on the pitch 
getting them the minutes they need whilst at the same time protecting Joe Edwards, that can only be a good thing. Mm. Yeah, I think Randall's, for me, has shown enough in what I've seen of him in preseason to suggest that he could cope with it fine as well. Um, it's not the case of chucking in a youngster to give someone else a rest. This is someone who, he made the bench on Saturday, didn't he, Randall? This is someone who, with a couple of injuries, could very feasibly be in our first team regularly. Um, so actually useful to get him some professional minutes, I think, would be my take on it for him personally. He certainly anyway. deserves the chance anyway. Mm, yeah, I agree. I'm going to go against Greta, but I wouldn't start Randall for the reason only being, I think if we're easing Baxter in, I'm going to, um, you know, in, in, in least disrespectful way, he doesn't look hugely fit at the moment, does he? And then, you know... Possibly in his stature, he doesn't look Baxter the most fit. fitting. And, yeah. What are you and talking way, about? I thought Baxter looked perfectly fit. He buzzed around a bit. He looked lively. He yeah, doesn't look I very th- fat. He looks pretty slim. I agree. I don't think he looks fat at all. Well, what I, was, what I was leading to say with that is that I feel that if, if he isn't fit, maybe we can come back to that in a second, if he isn't that fit, you'd want him playing in the DM role rather than the AM role where, where he doesn't have to kind of maybe do quite so much um, high pressing. I, to me, yeah, he, he did well in the time he was on. But he just just looked that looked lacking a little bit of sharpness in my eyes, a little bit of um, you know, uh, not not even just pure physical fitness, but a little bit of, should we say, panic? Not not even panicness, but lack of match sharpness in decision making. He didn't look as though he was right in the zone. Was you're talking of those two mo- moments, aren't you? Where he yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah, dallied yeah. and lost the ball, and they got the shot away, and where he played the pass to Riley and went out of play. Him not being match fit isn't a surprise though, and that is different from him being like um, unfit as opposed to um, uh, not match fit. A, there is a difference, and I think it is, it is important to distinguish. Um, he's had a few weeks now. He trained as well with Mansfield for preseason. Um, while he w- well, I wouldn't expect so. mm, it's some though, isn't it? And yeah. professional footballers these days don't go and spend the whole holiday doing nothing. A lot of them will spend a lot of time um, sort of getting themselves fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the match fitness he'd benefit from, and I'd prefer to look at him in that attacking midfield role. Is that is where we want to use him longer term? And obviously, this is something we don't know. Maybe Baxter does want to use him in a DM role longer term. I don't know. Um, but if he wants to look at him in an attacking midfield role, I think he's got to play attacking midfield on on well Tuesday. I mean, the next opportunity after that is going to be waiting until um, is it Swindon first or is it Bristol Rovers? It might be Swindon first in September in about four weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a long time to wait. Otherwise, I think now is a good opportunity to test him if he wants, and I hope he intends to play him in that centre mid position because otherwise, it'd be like playing Ruben Lemiris in defensive mid. Sure, he can do the role, but you can get more out of him in a better position. Yeah, I, agree. I, I like, particularly as we know that Edwards can do that role probably better than anyone yeah. inside. You may as well try Baxter in that advanced position where he's more likely to shine than have him simply as an Edward backup. I agree with what I think Sam said was that the low was bringing him on in defensive mid, both to rest Edwards, but also get minutes into Baxter's legs without really, um, you, you know, without changing the structure of the team too much. I th- I, I get I the feeling it's something like that. He also did put, uh, I think it was Callum Styles, and that was his name, who was an attacking mid. A bit, he was a bit like Conor Grant, really, in the way he plays, and was more obviously a centre mid and played there most of the time but started him and subbed him on defensive mid a few times last season, so it could be that it was a uh, genuine tactical decision. I wouldn't want. To, I just wouldn't want to change too much. I do like Randall a lot. I was, wouldn't want to change too much based on how we've been playing. I'd, I'd change 
certainly the keeper, because I think Cooper and Palmer, Lowe said, you know, he's already said he's going to do that. Because they're going to be battling with each other all season for that spot. Palmer's very much in the lead now, but you've got to give Cooper a chance. Um, I would put Josh Grant in because, you know, you don't sign a player from Chelsea to never play him. Obviously, he's not going to come straight in. You know, you, that would be disrespectful to the current back three, but you've got to give him that chance to, to, to you know, stake his claim. And I think you've probably got to play Conor Grant just because, you know, yeah, he, he's that very much the next one to step in at the moment. He's the one who there's a bit of debate about. So I think you have got to put those three in. Front two, we're going pretty good. But if Joel Grant's injured, then it's definitely a good chance to get Telford some minutes. So I'd definitely make those four changes. And if Baxter's ready for a 90, I suppose I'd probably put Baxter in for Edwards. I, as much as I do like Randall, and maybe I'd even like to see Lolos get a game, I wouldn't make any further changes. And I certainly wouldn't put Taylor in. As excellent as Taylor has been off the bench both times in seeing out the win, and he has been very good, he, he is not going to run and press and be a nuisance to defenders to the level that Joel Grant and Moore have been in, in, in the games we've seen so far. Um, so I think Taylor is a super sub. Keep him as a super sub. Bring in Telford, bring in Conor Grant, Josh Grant and Cooper in my stance. The problem with not rotating too much is... Um, and maybe Baxter. Is, is if you take Sata as a starting point, then we're looking at Saturday, Colchester, Tuesday, Orient, Saturday, Newport, Tuesday, Salford, Saturday, Walsall, then a Sat- then a week off, Saturday, Northampton, Tuesday, Bristol Rovers, Saturday, Oldham, before the next week break. That's a lot of Saturday, Tuesdays. There's only one week off uh... in a row. So if, if you're not, I mean, I know it's early in the season, we don't need to rest now, but it could be that we then have more enforced changes or switches later on, because that's, that is a fair few Saturday, Tuesdays in a row. Yeah, true. This is true. Yeah, but, you know, it's a fair point you make, but where where I'm kind that, of a little bit. Having said that, the the first one in September is the EFL Trophy, so we expect a fair few changes for that anyway. It, I suppose it is only actually one league game in there, but then again, if if you're doing a Sam says and not changing much for the cup, then that's where you're going to feel the impact in the league potentially. There's not that many positions, but we've got a load of rotation options now. I mean. Where, where you wouldn't significantly weaken the team. I mean, obviously, we've lost Smith-Brown at left wing-back, who would have been the obvious choice there. Right wing-back, unless you are going to move Sarsovich there, you've got Tafari Moore, and, well, just don't, we'd rather not have to play him unless we had to. Sorry, um, after the rehabilitation of Scott Wooten, are you not going to give well, w- more a chance? Is that not a bit harsh? Okay, that's a fair point well made. Come on, give point. him one Very more chance. Well Very fair point well made. Um and I, I suppose maybe up front it would be nice to see Lolos at some point, but I'd rather save that for the Jekka trade game, I think, rather than tomorrow. Can I amend my comment? Temporary, temporary rehabilitation of Scott Wooten. Let's not yeah. go. It has been two games. The, the all, all it takes is stuck, one error, but... and then everyone will be straight back on his back in. Yeah, exactly. But fair play to him, because he, even against Bristol Rovers and the friendly, he was shaky and struggled on the ball. Um, and actually hasn't shown any sign of that, I don't think. So fair play to him. Um Long may it continue. He's probably the best in possession of all the defenders, I think, on Saturday. Mm. Lots of good long balls. Much better than Canavan, who was a bit sloppy with his long passing. Yeah, and his his defending skills were, were much better. That the the um sort of defending the as the ball crossed uh oh, the, the the chance one of the chances that they had that he cleared that clearance was fantastic. So uh yeah. Uh yeah, we can wrap up. Um Okay, that's the end of the show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you are tuning in on Saturday uh, to Newport versus Plymouth Argyle via Radio Devon, you will have the joys of listening to myself uh, as a summariser for Radio Devon this week. So uh, if you are listening, uh, I look forward to uh, to speaking to you then. 
Um, don't forget to scrub, subscribe. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll redo that part, shall I? Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and iTunes uh, for all of our weekly podcasts. Uh, from all of us here, thank you and good night. Goodbye. Good night. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.